Okay, so we're going to look at ecclesiology. Ecclesiology, we're going to intro this. Ecclesiology is spelled E-C-C-L-E-S-I-O-L-O-G-Y. Ecclesiology, and that is the doctrine of the church. That is the doctrine of the church. So what I want to talk about first is the nature of the church. The nature of the church. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Did you know that God's initial plan for the church was to be a universal one? Did you know that? God's official church, official, you know, the original plan that God had for the church was for there to be an original or to be a universal church. It was. I mean, you had the church at Ecclesia, or the church at um, the church at Corinth. You had the church at, you know, so and so. But if you notice, they were not denominations. Did you check that? I mean, there was error, and then there was right, but they weren't really denominations. God's original plan was not for there to be those. But there are two reasons, two main reasons, I believe, why denominations actually came into effect. Number one is pride and power. Pride and power. We saw that happening long before Christ started the church. The devil did the same thing. Where he wanted to use the power for himself. The power. Which is crazy. Because the, what we have is something that's not built on ourselves. But built on Christ being the cornerstone for it. But what happens is people will break, people break away from the truth. Or broke away from the truth. Because they wanted to do what they wanted to do with it. If you study church history, you'll find out that there were kings who broke away from the church because they wanted to do things that were contrary to the word. And people who, uh, you know, they just, wanted the, they just wanted the power. It reminds me of that man Simon in the book of Acts who said, how much will it cost for me to buy the Holy Spirit? And they're like, you can't buy the Holy Spirit, dork. You know, you can't do that. You, it's something that, that happens at salvation. But that's what happens. People look and they see the power and they want it. All right, so the first one is power and pride the second reason that it happens is going to be error it's going to be error so originally it was just supposed to be the church it's supposed to be the church but and I tell people all the time like why do you choose Baptist and not you know because I believe I believe that the Baptist party is the most in line with the Word of God I believe it is the most in line with the Word of God where I gave you we're gonna break down here in the next part of it when we talk about that acronym Baptist. Remember we talked about that a long time ago? B, Biblical Authority. A, Autonomy of the Local Church. P, uh, Priesthood of the Believer. T, Two Ordinances. I, Individual Soul Liberty. S, Saved, Baptized Church Membership. And T, Two, or, two Offices. Right? And so we're, that's the, what Christ bre breaks it down for us as, um, as the church. Um, what the church makeup is supposed to be like. So... Christ's plan, God's plan for the church was originally for it to be a universal church. But of course, um, but of course through time and man in his error, that didn't happen. God had plans for the church to be a singular church. Romans, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink in one spirit. All made to drink in one spirit. Flip over to Matthew chapter 16. 
Matthew chapter 16, God's original plan was for the church to just be one, one entity. One entity. It was through man's pride and power and through error, you find people breaking away from other people because they felt they were doctrinally incorrect, right? And so they were like, I'm going to leave and join somewhere else or, or make my own church that's going to be doctrinally correct. That happens. Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so we see that God um, tells us this plan, right? God tells us this plan um, that we're supposed to have. Christ is what's saying this uh, to Peter um, in verse 18, but of course he's talking about the larger, the larger picture. And God's plan was, you know, he didn't say, you know, upon this rock I'll build my Baptist church. He didn't say that. He didn't say, upon my rock, I'll build this non-denominational church or this Pentecostal church. He said, I build my church. And his original plan was for there to be one singular universal church that just stood upon the word and did right. And, of course, that didn't happen. Hence, the breakaways and doctrines being born and denominations uh, being formed. Uh, but we're going to cover a couple more things and then we'll stop for today as we finish up the nature of the church the church is viewed through three different um through th three different lenses uh that i want to give you for us to understand the church is called number one the bride the church is called the bride ephesians chapter five in your bibles ephesians chapter five it's called the bride called the bro oh, sorry it's called the uh the what i say sorry the body the body is first the body of christ i'm sorry for those of you who write in pen the church is called the body of christ ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23 it says for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body he is the savior of the body and so, uh, and so it's important for us to realize that it is important for us to realize that Christ, we are, we are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Um, I want you to write this word down. It's, the word is called ecclesia. All right? Ecclesia. I'll spell it out for you. E-C-C-L-E. S-I-A, Ecclesia, alright, um, and Ecclesia is, it really, it, it translates to a called out assembly, it calls out assembly, so what you have to understand is that the church is not, the building is not the church, it's the people that's in it, the people that's in it is the body of the church, not, if we had church in a tent, we'd still be a church, right, because it's not about the building, so yes, we need a name for the building, but the building is not the church. The body is the church. The people that are in here are the church. And Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church and technically cannot function without him. 
That's what makes Christianity, as I said before, so much different from other denominations is because Christ is not a past tense figure. He is the, he is the rock and the cornerstone of the church. We follow a risen Savior. He's the cornerstone of the church. And because it is made up of believers that all have different gifts and abilities that help the church to function like it should, even though a body has a head and it has two legs and it has two arms and it has a heart and all the other various organs and all that stuff, the same way the church operates. That's why it's so important for you to get an idea of what your spiritual gifts are. Because your gifts are going to be what help you to be the best you can be for the body. And I'm not even just talking about the body of the body of Orlando Baptist Temple. I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole. As we, across the world with millions of other believers, bring what we have to the table to be... Because to, what do we find out? Gifts are meant for us to help further the cause of Christ. It's for us to help be able to use the gifts that we have in order to be the best that we can be uh, for Him. And even though that it has different functions, there's only one head of the church... And that's Christ. Christ is the only head of the church. And the church is led by him. And should function only the commands given by him in his word. So some people will tell me all the time, like, they'll say, Rev, why is doctrine so important? I was like, because we want to follow Christ properly. I want to follow, I want to do what God says that we're supposed to do. And so, yes, I'm going to be doctrine heavy. But we're also going to be practical heavy also. And have a great balance of those things as we seek to follow God as defined in his word properly so that we can give an answer but then also do what he said which is to go out and make and see souls saved and bring them into his church and make disciples those two things work together because if you're just out there doing stuff with no knowledge well then you're not going to do much at all but if you sit in here and all you've got is doctrine well then you're still not doing much at all because you have a lot of knowledge but you haven't done anything with it no application that's why the two of them are so um, important the second thing christ is called uh, the body uh, say, so the church is called the body of Christ. Second, the church is called the building of Christ. It's called the building of Christ. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. We have one more illustration after that, and then we'll be done for the night. It's called the body. It's also called the building. First Peter 2. It says this in verse 6. Wherefore also it is wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is, pre he is precious, but unto them that be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the at the word being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed verse 7 he said the stone which the builders uh, that the builders rejected all right so Christ is the cornerstone um, giving it the imagery of the building he's the cornerstone of it the chief mechanism by which it's able to stand it's in a state it's in a state of brokenness in that it is fit for the master's use and Christ is the builder of this building, which we saw in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18. And without the power of Christ as the builder of the church, the church cannot accomplish anything of eternal value without him. Right? We cannot, we cannot accomplish anything of eternal value 
uh, with, without him. And that's why we need the power of God on this place. And then lastly for today, as we finish this first part, is if you would look at, you would look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So the church is the body. The church is the building. Ephesians chapter 5. I can find it myself. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 25. It says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Even as Christ loved, also loved the church. And gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord ought the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Lastly today, the church is also called the bride. It's also called called the bride. We talked about this last Wednesday night as we were talking about the um, we were talking about Christ and John the Baptist explaining to his followers that the bridegroom is here for the bride. I'm just the best man. I'm just here. The bridegroom is here uh, for his bride. And Christ, um, as a church, um, the church is the bride of Christ. He loved the church and gave himself for it. And he'll be coming back for his bride someday. Okay, so with that, we will conclude part one um, of Ecclesiology. This will, this will probably be one of the more lengthy ones. This may take us a couple of weeks because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of meat in Ecclesiology.